Okay, here we go. Showtime. Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on what time you're listening to this. My name is Joseph Hammond. I am a primary school music and computing specialist. On today's show, I talk a little bit about Encanto and uh, other films. And I'm going to share an interview that I did with freestyle footballer Jamie Knight. It's going to be an interesting one, this one. Live from London. This is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay then. So, um, what um, what I, as I said, I've um, I'm going to share a pre-recorded interview that I did with uh, Jamie Knight um, later on. Jamie is a freestyle footballer, and he's one of the top freestyle footballers in the country. Um, he also, um, the reason why I'm interviewing him on a teacher's radio show is because he goes into schools and he does freestyle football workshops. Um, and I met him at the uh, BET show um, slash education show in, um, first, I think I met him in like 2019, January, uh, the January 2019 one. I then saw him again in January 2020 show. Um, and um, I was going to try and book him into our schools, but then COVID hit. Um, so, yeah, that was, um, so, yeah, that was an uh, interesting one. Um, anyway, so you'll, you'll see an interview with him. Um, he was also skillsy um, in the uh, Euro 2020. He was the mascot skillsy, which is really cool. And he'll talk a bit about that in, um, in my interview I did with him. Um, but, First off, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about um, a couple of things that came to my mind in terms of kids and films and things. Um, because I, I I posted this on, on social media and last weekend I did get round to uh, watching Encanto um, and kind of as somebody who teaches music to small uh, to primary school kids uh, especially i've been doing a lot with early years recently um and as somebody who teaches music to early years it's kind of i felt almost like i was obligated to uh, to watch the film and learn the songs um because, well, you know, a lot of primary school music teachers have been uh, have given into it. But do you know what? I can't pretend I wouldn't enjoy it because I do like a good family film. Um, and here's so yeah, I I enjoy I enjoy Pixar and uh, Disney and um, and things like that when they make really good quality films. And if it is good quality. I'll enjoy it. Um, 
I think I've mentioned this before on the show. Um, when I don't enjoy family films or, you know, kids media is if they're aimed, is if they're kind of patronizing, then I'm not a fan. Um, there's ways of, there's ways of getting messages across without being patronizing about them. And that's the, uh, that's the key to all of, all of this. Um, and so, but yeah, I, um, but it's interesting the way that kids see it because I remember asking, um, now let's take Lion King as an example. The original Lion King is one of my favorite films and, um, ever. And I, I, I know, honestly, I know most of the film line for line. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. I know most of the Lion King, the line for line. Um, but obviously there's been the remake, the, uh, the, well, the so-called live action remake, even though there's only actually one live action shot in the entire film. Um, so you have to, um, but yeah, to us, the Lion King, the original was, you know, highly praised and seen as a masterpiece. And it is. Um, it is it's a brilliant film. The songs are great. The story is great, even if it is a kid-friendly retelling of Hamlet. Um, it's still, you know, great story. Um, then the remake came out. Now, lots of the Disney so-called live-action remakes, I mean, actually, a lot of the others are live-action because they feature human characters. Um the Lion King doesn't have any human characters, so it's all CGI, um, except for the very first opening sunrise. That's a live action shot. Um, but anyway, I asked some of my uh, year ones, which of the two do you prefer? Do you prefer the, I, I called it the real looking one? Or do you prefer the cartoon one? And most of them said they preferred the real looking one. Now, and that's and that's that's really interesting because actually, if you look at how it was received by adults and film fans and fans of the original, they were all very dis but for the most part very disappointed. And it, you know, Elton John himself was very disappointed with uh, with the film, and it's. And that's interesting because the, but then that none of that matters to the kids, you see, and yeah, it, it's it's something that I would like to know more about and research more about because you know I'm sure that I, if I was in the film industry or I was making things that are aimed at kids or families. I would want them to be of a good quality and not a cash grab. And I feel like the remake of The Lion King was a bit of a cash grab. You know, um, Disney had seen how successful lots of their other live action remakes had been. Um, but that doesn't matter to uh, to kids. You, so you gotta you got to look at what actually is it that 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 lights up kids brains and inspires them in some way and it's it's a tricky one you can't 
go into other people's minds and predict their behavior or how they're going to see something. And uh, I do, in many ways, try and influence others in the sense of um, how I want them to look at media and how I want them to judge it and how I want them not to get caught up in the hype almost and I guess that's that's a lot of it is part part of it is if if something generates hype then it's going to you know become an essential it's essential thing and that's where yeah and that's where I think it falls to it falls to the media creators to be responsible about as responsible about this stuff i mean i know their businesses they've got to make money and you know the, the all the disney live action remakes have made a lot of money and it's not to say that all of them are bad quality because actually if you look at what they did for example with uh, the jungle book is it's a very it's very different in many ways it's kind of like a combination of um kipling's actual stories and atmosphere and life lessons that mowgli has to learn and then but uh, also put a, a lot of the um fun and uh just you know uh bright colorful charming nature of the original disney jungle book and it's like a combination of the two but actually and it it was i've heard a lot of people who didn't like it i have heard also a lot of people that loved it so it's it you know you've got you've got different perspectives there um but yeah if 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 I had to choose one of the Disney live action remakes or Disney remakes, I should say the best one is Pete's Dragon, in my opinion. And that's because they do something completely different with it. The original Pete's Dragon is all about, um, so it's got the, it's the musical, it's the songs. Um, and it came out at a time when star wars was everywhere and it was hyped up so it got forgotten about because the kids were all into star wars at the time you know no surprises there um and so the main but the remake of pete's dragon does something completely different it ditches the songs it ditches the plot the only similarity between the so-called remake and the original pete's dragon is the uh characters the boy pete and the dragon elliot the rest of the story characters everything else is completely different um and yeah it a lot of it works really well there's a lot of great moments there's a lot of you know character uh study and you know uh the little boy being best friends with a dragon that's you know an, an amazing uh power fantasy there if you're if you're a kid, you know, having your best friend be a you know friendly dragon—that's that's a massive power fantasy. Um, so, but anyway, I've gone off on a I've gone off on a massive tangent. But yeah, the, uh, the point I was making was, I guess, things that matter to kids when it comes to media is very different from what matters to adults. And so, 
yeah, of the response from the Lion King remake and the the original Lion King was very... um, It's surprising in a way because the way the adults see the remake of the Lion King, honestly, my opinion, it's not it's not great it's it's a very bland empty shell of the original that's my opinion and a lot of adults share that opinion of uh, of mine but the kids it's their or, or sometimes it's their preferred version so i'd i'd be interested to kind of research more into what is it that engages kids in in many ways um that and and compared to what engages adults and i'm not i'm not talking about you know including adult jokes although a lot of um a lot of family films do do that you know zootopia has a lot of jokes about you know um bunnies having lots of babies and uh which will fly over kids heads but will get a snicker out of many adults including me um and um animaniacs got away with loads of uh loads of uh things that will go over kids heads back in the day um but you know it's it's not it's not that's not the only way to entertain an adult when it's a and it's a family film. If you have strong characters, um, a strong story, good acting, um, and lo- well, there's lots of things, then you can engage adults just as easily. Um, but anyway, back to um, what I was talking about. So, as a music teacher, I um, um, I felt almost like because lots of the nursery kids in my school uh, were talking a lot about Encanto and they wanted me to learn the songs and so but I didn't want to just dive in um, head first into just learning the songs without context so I made time to properly sit down and watch Encanto this last weekend and yeah it was it was very enjoyable um, it's not honestly. It's not my favorite of all uh, of a lot of the modern animated Disney films. Um, that would probably have to go to Moana because of um, the um, well. There's various, you know, catchy and uh, internet meme moments in Moana. Um, uh, the Moana just entertained me more. That's just my opinion. You know, you had uh, Dwayne Johnson. Where else are you going to get Dwayne Johnson singing a um, giant enemy crab voiced by Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords and um, and a uh, chicken with brain damage? I mean, there's there's no there, there's nowhere else you're going to get that. So um, and. Yeah, so so Moana's my my favorite of the modern Disney films, but I'd say I did still enjoy Encanto because you know it's got some good it's got some really good messages, it's got some good characters. I enjoyed the uh, discovery of the magical abilities that all the characters, uh, all the main family have, and the uh, the things they learn about themselves along the way, and of course. Lots of the songs, Lin Manuel Miranda. For those that don't know, Lin Manuel Miranda wrote the songs for Moana, wrote songs for Encanto, and is also the writer, director, and star of Hamilton. So you know he's got 
let you know if you've got a modern modern day singers songwriters Len Manuel Miranda is one of the best out there um so you know it loads of what he's done has just been really great recently and um so yeah it's very trustworthy when you know that he's written the songs because he puts modern spins on classic styles and so yeah that i i did they uh, i did enjoy uh, the songs as well although I will say the uh, the kids are kind of when I go back after half term they're expecting me to be able to sing and play surface pressure and we don't talk about Bruno and they aren't they haven't been the easiest songs to learn and I said that to them the first time I listened to them I said I am learning we don't talk about Bruno but it's going to take time for me to learn it some there are some songs which just have simple chord sequences um and and simple tunes but you're not going to get that with many Lin Manuel Miranda songs he's um he's a very his songs are very complex and um often very complex and very creative and really well done and of course if anyone's seen Hamilton they will know how lightning fast some of the lyrics are in his songs. Um, so you have to. So, yeah, it did take me longer than usual. And I don't think I've quite perfected it yet. I'm going to try them out at the end of my show. I'm going to try playing and singing Surface Pressure. And we don't talk about Bruno. And we'll see how it goes. But I'm not 100% sure I'm going to have them perfect yet. Although. That being said, as uh, kid, a lot of kids I teach, especially the younger ones, they just want to hear the song and they don't, um, I mean, I, I don't want to patronise them. I just talked about, um, you know, not patronising kids. Um, and I will openly admit to them that I haven't got it perfect yet. But actually, I can still, I don't, there's got to be a balance I'm not going to be a perfectionist and say, no, I can't play this yet because it's not perfect. I'm also not going to say, oh, here, oh, oh, here you go. Here's my half-hearted version. There's got to be a balance in between. So I'm, I'm going to make an effort for them because that's what I do. I'm a teacher and I'm a teacher that cares deeply about my job and I'm passionate about what I do. Um, so I'm not going to give them a half-hearted version but at the same time I'm not gonna expect perfection from myself I'm gonna play it to them with confidence possibly a couple of mistakes but then that's okay because they'll they'll have enjoyed the fact that one of their teachers can play and sing those the uh, some of their favorite songs on the uh, on the guitar and the um and the and and sing them or the or the piano and sing them and so yeah i'm just gonna go go in there next half term and when i do when i do my music sessions with um with my nursery kids i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go for it they've already got lots of songs that i do that are that are favorites of theirs that involve music and movement and uh that involve 
actions and um, dancing and things. But they also want to hear me sing and play some of their favourite songs that they've watched and listened to at home. And they a lot of them just enjoy listening to that. And so that's what I'm going to do with the Encanto songs. Um, so I will test that out at the end of my show and we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to take a ad break. Oh, yeah, um, I'll take an ad break after I've just talked about um, one other thing. Um, so I hope everybody who's listened has uh, survived Storm Eunice. If you're listening to this later, um, this was the day after Storm Eunice hit the UK on Friday. Now, I was okay. I even actually went shopping and there, there, the wind was fine. I was able to cope. I mean, I, although I, I am a forest school <coughs> person, my school is a full-time forest school. So I do, I am used to that stuff. I'm used to being out in difficult weather. Um, however, I do know that, of course, there are some areas that were hit pretty hard. And, I'm ex uh, and of course, there will be fallen, felled trees. There will be um, possibly roofs blown off and power lines being knocked down. I don't know all the details. But because of the nature of my school being 100% outdoors, I mean, gonna be, it's going to be interesting to see if any damage has been done when I go in when we go back after half term it's uh, and it is a bit nerve-wracking you know we built for example we've got obviously a lot of trees we're an outdoor school we're on national trust land also we've built in fact one of the tree forts and tree houses that we built for the kids um we actually constructed the friday before we went off for half term if that's been blown down or destroyed in any way that's gonna be a bit um upsetting for especially for the um level three forest school trained people who worked hard building that our teaching assistants um so hopefully our tree forts our trees um everything else will have survived um in a way it's a relief it, well it is a massive relief that we didn't have the kids in and we didn't work that day because we have um what's it we yeah i i last time there was um really strong winds we had to sort of create makeshift shelters for each of the classes and also separate them out because of covid so that was a tricky day um which went a bit all over the place um, so it's kind of a relief that these really strong winds happened when we're not we, uh, we've not got the kids in school. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Anyway, um, I'm gonna take an ad break and then I'm going to play um, the pre-recorded interview that I did um, last uh, last Tuesday with uh, Jamie Knight. Oh no, wrong one. That's the one. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, 
the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot UK. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, We'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Okay. Um, right. Uh, so time for me to play. Now, um, all this is pre-recorded. Uh, so, um, yeah, so... Um, Sadly, Jamie won't be able to answer any questions from live listeners or anything. But um, yeah, it's a great interview. I love what I love what this guy does. He's got a great attitude and outlook. So enjoy. Okay, welcome back to the show. And now it's time for me to interview my guest for the week. And this week's guest. Maybe a bit unexpected for those of you that don't know me, uh, that know me, as my football knowledge is very limited. However, I do love what this guy does, and he really impressed me with his attitude and uh, the way he thinks about things. And I got on really well with him when I met him at uh, the vet show slash education show um, a couple of years ago. Uh, my guest today is one of the uh, country's top freestyle footballers. And he also runs freestyle football workshops in schools. Jamie Knight is my guest. Jamie, thank you very much for being on my show. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Thanks a lot for having me on. No problem. So, so um, first up, um, Jamie, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds, kind of what, um, what you were um, into growing up. How did you get started with freestyle football and were you ever a player? Yeah, so like this is probably the most common question I get asked. Like I've never, <clears throat> like it's like the same with a lot of freestyle footballers. I've actually never, ever, ever played football before for a football team. Um, the main reason being was that the secondary school I went to, you could only play hockey or rugby. Oh, so wow. like, just like any kid in like the UK, like when I was like eight, nine, ten, obviously I was really into football or like followed football, but I actually didn't have the opportunity to play it in school. So, like, I could have joined the football club, but, like, if you're not really given the opportunity in school, like, you 
you're not really going to have time to, to play it. So, so what happened to me was I actually played rugby mostly in secondary school. And then it was when I got home from school, I'd be playing football in my back garden. But actually that was like by myself. So it was me like kicking a ball against a wall. And then that sort of goes into like the control side. And next thing you know, I was just doing keepy uppies from the age of about 10 or 11. Like, <clears throat> so that's how I got into freestyle. But like, yeah, like in primary school, for example, I was I was the kid who was doing cross country, like like tennis, everything, just like experimenting everything. Cause I actually didn't properly start freestyle till I was 16. And then I used to be a swimmer as well. So I was a really competitive swimmer from the age of six to 16. So like I tried everything under the sun until like freestyle sort of like clicked a bit later on. Okay. Oh, so that's, that's really interesting. So a lot of freestylers, they, they don't actually play for teams. It's generally like they choose to do freestyle over actually playing. Yeah. It's weird. Like, like, but when you break it down, I always compare like, when you compare freestyle football and football, it's like comparing ice hockey and figure skating or like yeah. Olympic diving and Olympic swimming. Like you like if you look at the swimming one, they both use a swimming pool, but it's completely di- completely different sport. When you look at ice hockey, it's completely different from figure skating. They use an ice <laughs> rink. You know yes. what I mean? Like when you look at freestyle, all, all we do is use a football. That's it. Like yeah. 99.9% of the skills I do. You can't you can't do in a football match. Like if I if I have the ball, I'm like, I'll get a yellow card. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll, get, I'll get tackled pretty heavily by the other team. Like so, like it it. The good news is people think it's football. That's why like I'm able to make a career out of it because people look at me and they're like, hang on a sec, Ronaldo can't do that. And that's how like that's where the value comes. That's where the entertainment comes. But really, when you look yeah. into it. It's completely different. It's interesting you say that because Ronaldo is quite well known for being quite a, a, a sort of a uh, trickster with with yeah. his feet sometimes, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. No, but like I, I could put any money like like after 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 a football match that Ronaldo plays in, he and his son will most likely be on Instagram like like looking at like people like us like freestylers like and like be amazed by it. And like I've, I've I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of footballers, and yeah, they they sort of look at you as the celebrity because like <clears throat> they think you're doing football, but really they're like, how are you doing that with a footballer? So yeah. It's, uh, cool. Um. So and it's I think the ice hockey and figure skating thing you said that's a really good analogy because you know ice hockey players they've got to you know literally bash into others on the ice whereas figure skating you know is is more of a performing art and I guess that's where you come into it you know freestyle football is like a combination of sport and performing arts isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So like, um, uh, for me personally, I sort of. A lot of my tricks are more in the sport side to it. So like they're quite like gymnastic, athletic, mm-hmm. like handstands, like forward rolls and stuff. But there's guys that like the French freestyle football community, for example, they they take most of their inspiration from breakdance. So a lot of their tricks oh. will be like breakdancing moves, same with the Japanese. Like the UK, we're quite like athletic and stuff, but like that's the good thing about freestyle. You can you can slow it down as much as you want. You can literally do it. You can pick any song. You can you can do it to like classical music if you want. 
it's completely mm. up to you, like which direction you want to you want to take it. But uh, but yeah, it's definitely more of a performance art. Like even when I do performances and stuff, there has to be has to be music. Like I'll never ever ever perform with no music playing. Okay. So like more of like a yeah, like you said, like a performance art, um, like a dance sort of thing. So what are your favorite songs to play to generally? So for like 10 years, I played to Alvaris <clears throat> Slide. I don't, know, I don't know if you remember it. Um, it's really, it's like, it's not that like fast beat. It's quite like slow, picks up a bit, but it's really good for like corporate, corporate events and stuff. So that yeah. was my like main song. I've not got another one now, but, <clears throat> um, but yeah, like you can do it to anything. Like I used to, before I went professional with freestyle, I used to street perform on the streets. Okay. So like uh, I, I went to uni in Manchester and every Saturday I'd street perform for like six or seven hours. And then I did like a whole summer in Dublin before. And like when you're street performing, I'll, I'll be performing like eight or nine shows an hour to different songs. Like I'll just put it, I'll put it on shuffle and whatever song came out, I'll just do a routine to like, you know 150 people yeah so like yeah you gotta be able to like wing it and <laughs> freestyle essentially that's it yeah because um i i mean torval and dean won gold with Ravel's bolero so you know you can do uh yeah i can i can see that happening with freestyle football as well where you uh and because you know my main job is as a music teacher you know if that if that's a way of um of getting uh of, of integrating those two things together i'm all for that definitely yeah it helps your creativity you know what i mean even when i go into schools now <laughs> i always have music playing and i actually i always said at the very start of the workshop like hands up if you play football and like like most of the, most of the time it'd be a lot of the girls who who don't play football yeah and i'm always like well for a freestyle it's actually more dance than football and it's more gymnastics and football and like it sort of just chills out the whole class and it makes them realize like it's, it's for like every every ability if you're into football or not like so yeah and and this is this is something that um that i i can completely get that you know i'm trying we're trying to work through the stereotypes of you know football isn't just for boys and da and you know dance even ballet isn't just for girls yeah, it's, yep. it's, there's these, these big stereotypes that, and in, in music, a similar thing can happen because, you know, I feel like what the, what girls see is they see other girls being singers, but they rarely see other girls playing musical instruments. That's something I'm trying to change. It's usually guys that uh, are playing the instruments. So, okay. yeah. So, um, done. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I'm actually, yeah, because like if you look at like Adele when she sings, the orchestra behind, <coughs> you know, she's usually men. You just, you almost want to, you want to make them go through like the musical instrument bit before they just want to become like a pop star, I suppose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's very cool thing. Scott, so um, you're what as kind of as a performer, what are your sort of your favorite events or commissions that you've had or favorite events that you've performed at? Yeah, so like 
I've been now professional since, well, fully professional since I was 23, so like six years now. Um, in that time, so like the biggest one I got, it was for the Euros, Euro 2020. So uh -huh. I, was, uh, I was asked by UEFA to be the official global mascot for the Euros. Nice. Uh, called Scooby. So like, you know, the way each World Cup and Olympics has got like the mascot. Yeah. So this was this was the first one that was going to actually do, like it's going to be like a, a performer, like actually do tricks and not just stand there and wave. So yeah, <laughs> skillsy for the Euros. <clears throat> so originally it was meant to be 36 performances all over Europe. But then obviously COVID, it got moved back. And then I ended up just performing at Wembley at the England Games, which is still class, like as, uh, yeah. as skillsy. But like, <clears throat> I wasn't a lot of practice in the in the costume, so I hardly I hardly had any oh. like practice runs. And uh, they designed because basically they, they they invited me to try on the skillsy costume before I had signed the contract. Yeah, and like, and then I, I I was wearing I I put like the head on and stuff, and they're like, oh, what do you think? And I couldn't actually see my feet. Oh <laughs> God! I could only see the very very top of my toes. But obviously, oh I, I don't want to like, because I, I wasn't like agreed yet. So I was like, yeah, it's great. Like, oh, this is perfect. Blah, blah, blah. Like, got everything signed off. And then uh, the first performance, it was like the skills he reveal at the Ajax Arena in front of 50,000 people. It's on YouTube. I might send you the link. And, uh, and I, I was standing there with like a, a big like blanket over me because they're about to reveal me. And yeah, like the, the guy in the town always like, the new mascot, Skillsy, they like take the blanket off. And I'm running on and like, I didn't even get rehearsed and I'm, I literally can't see my feet. So I had, to run, I had to run onto the center circle. I was only like a 45 second show, thankfully. So spun the ball on my finger and then like dropped it to my feet. And I was honestly just using like peripheral vision, like yeah. 15, 15 years of muscle memory just to like juggle, <laughs> juggle a football. Uh, in, a, in a mascot costume in front of 50,000 people. Like, so I uh, didn't wow. drop it. Didn't drop it. Yes. Run away with it. But then actually BBC Sport after, they like, they slated the whole thing. But thankfully they were just like, Gosh. they were like slating the, the actual costume, not the performance. Yeah. But if I, if I dropped the ball or something, like it would have been pretty nasty. <laughs> That's probably okay. the biggest the biggest nice one. yeah that that kind of because uh, like i'm i piano is one of the main instruments i use and well when you're playing any musical instrument you know muscle memory is key so you know the fact that you could do that with all the practice that you've had that's super impressive but oh yeah if I, I mean when you said the bbc slated you i was i was just thinking that wow harsh but then you mentioned no they actually criticized the costume which is completely fair you know, if a freestyle footballer can't see their feet, that's kind of a big deal. Anyone <laughs> listening, like, if you go on YouTube, have been like, yeah, skills, he was S K I L L Z Y, skills, yeah. he, it's on YouTube. It's pretty, now you know that I can't see when you watch it back. It should be quite entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that. that sounds brilliant. You heard it here first, guys. Um, so, um let's go on to um your well i, I want to focus on you for one more question and then we'll talk about the work you do with the kids so your training routine 
um, can you describe to me what your training routine is? So it, it, it's interesting now, Alex. So from the age of 17 to, I say, 25, that was my main, like, like, I wasn't worried about, like, making a living. I wasn't worried about how much, you know, business I was doing. It was just get as good as I can at freestyle. Because um, when I was 19, and came second in the UK. So around then, I was training. I was at uni as well, so it was probably, like, two, three hours a day. And uh-huh. then... I was 23. I qualified for the Red Bull Street Style World Finals. So this is like it's like the nice. World Cup. It's like the the top freestyle competition. So I had six months to train, and I was honestly training five six hours a day, plus gym plus running. Um, and yeah, I ended up coming ninth in the world. That was back in 2016 in freestyles. Nice. That like five years leading up to that, I was probably training yeah, like three to five hours a day, every day. Um, but now like I, I stopped competing. I stopped competing back in 2019. And uh, mm-hmm. just like freestyle is still quite like a up and coming sport still. It's still not like really commercialized. So like it's not like all the sports where you, you're like a full-time competitor. You can make all the money from like come in 10th in the European Championships, you know what I mean? You need a, all freestylers make their, make a living from outside of competition. So yeah. like after the Championship, coming like top 10 in the world, I, I, I slowly started uh, changing my, like how I looked at things and actually making a living. So now like, especially now, you know, I'm doing like maybe up to a hundred skills a year, for example, and uh, doing corporate events, performances, I'll be lucky if I can train sometimes like four hours a week if I'm really, really busy. So like, which, which I'm sort of fine with now. I'm like, I'm 30 this year. Like, and I'm, I'm more like, honestly, my, my main aim, I know we're going to go on to it. It's more just like inspiring the next generation in schools to, to get into the sport. And uh, so, yeah, like the, the hardcore training days are probably behind me. But speaking about muscle memory, like that's just, I'm probably the best I've been purely because of the amount of years I've been doing it. Yeah. Like, like so it's, it's, yeah, I'm still, I don't actually have to practice just to maintain it. I some, yeah. Cause I sometimes find also that once you've sort of uh, taken a break from intensive training or intensive practice, like when I've been learning my instruments and then you come back to it or you come back to those skills, if the muscle memory is there, you find you can pick it up again and you've still got it. And actually it can sometimes be clearer in your head after having that sort of time away for your brain to make the connection and process it. Have you found that? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, like I think as you get older as well, like, like obviously when I was 18, 19, like, I was obsessed <laughs> the raw aspect, the freestyle, just learning new tricks and stuff. Like naturally as you get older, like <clears throat> that, like me wanting just to learn new skills and stuff is sort of decreasing. But my like passion for like business and, you know, like that side to it is, is, is getting way, way bigger. Like, so I think that's like a natural sort of progression. Nice. So. Okay. So on to your teaching and workshop leading now. Um, so let's um, say you were sort of making a pitch to a school and that school wanted to know what are the key transferable skills 
and uh, things that kids will learn through freestyle football. So not just tricks. What um, I, I hate the word soft skills because actually they're super important. But what would you say are the biggest transferable skills um, that kids will learn through freestyle football that they can then bring to other areas of their lives? Yeah, so like the thing with the freestyle football workshops is like we I literally just use the skills as a tool. I was like, uh, obviously, when I go in for the day, like the focus will be on like wowing the kids and you know that like wow factor. But when that, when you go to the actual workshop, it's very like hands on, and the best bit of the workshop, like at the end, I always do like a five to ten minute question and answer, and like the the, the key themes will be like growth mindset, like of like I always the main question I get asked is how do you do that like like when did you learn all these tricks and that that's just like 20 years of being resilient um you know it sounds it sounds cliche or whatever like but like never giving up because freestyle is a type of sport the reason no one really does it is because it's so difficult to get even remotely good at it so like i absolutely loved not being good at it i loved the challenge involved in dropping the ball all the time and not like having to be patient. So like, cause I, in, in workshops and stuff, kids would be like, I can't do it. I'll, they'll try it at 30 seconds. And yeah. I'll be like, what you're trying to do, it took me four months. I know the feeling. <laughs> when I was 15 as well. I'm, I'm speaking to like a year or two. And they're like, <laughs> I'm like, you've tried it twice. <laughs> so like they, they slowly realize that, yeah, you need, it's, it's about being like resilient being dedicated um but having like instead of being like i can't do it be more like okay what what's the reason i can't do it and like you know having that positive growth mindset approach to okay how can i break it down to be able to do it and stuff and i think like freestyle is such a good a good uh, tool or activity to like get those principles across the kids yeah, and I've um, I, I found that with um, with you know teaching kids uh, instruments as well with um, uh, some uh, dr drums and guitar are good examples. I've had students that would you know cry because they couldn't remember uh, or, or they didn't put their fingers in the right place quickly enough for chords, and then you know after several lessons on it, you know, months later they're they're um, getting it right every time, and same with. You know, drum rhythms. One of the first things you learn with drums is separating your legs and uh, arms, and uh, not not sort of your arms jerking when your legs do something. And uh, yeah, when that muscle memory gets there, it's it's very satisfying for them as well. Yeah, yeah. Just getting through that initial like learning stage. But like, what I always say as well is like it all ties back to. Do you enjoy the activity? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I always sit down at the workshop. If you enjoyed it, and look, if you didn't enjoy it, freestyle, like don't don't go home and practice it. Don't like, you know, it's fine not to enjoy it. But like if you did, you know, get something out of it, that's a really good sign because once you become passionate about it, practicing it five hours a day and not being good at it isn't going to bother you because ultimately you, you enjoy. You enjoy the process of it like so like you know that was the thing with me i, I loved it so much that i i didn't care not being good at it so, like i try and get that across as well 
if you, if you yeah. generally and that's I, I, I'm, I'm going to take that. I really like the way you said that. You know, you, you, if you're so passionate about it, you don't care if you're not good at it. You're just going to go for it. I, I, I always, I, I'm always like, okay, who, who plays the PlayStation or Xbox? And I just say like 10 kids put their hand up. I'm like, if I had to tell you to practice or play the PlayStation three hours a day as your homework, would you find it easy? And they're like, yeah, of course it would. So like you, you need to find that sport or activity that's your like that is your PlayStation. Like it doesn't have to be the PlayStation. For me, it was it was my back garden and practicing football tricks. Like said, you know, it could be playing the drums, it could be yoga, it could be table tennis, you know what I mean? So yeah. find that, find that thing. Like yeah, and what I what I found, you meant you mentioned um, video games, and I'm quite a big gamer myself. And what I find that video games do very well is actually they are very good. The best games are very good at teaching you the the way the game works and gradually <laughs> introducing new skills or mechanics that you have to think about as it goes. And um, so what me and a few others who are also teachers that are also into video games are trying to do is we're trying to try and implement some of those strategies and some of those uh, brain tricks into just everyday learning and, uh, and with, with other things, you know, outside of screens. Um, and I, we think that will be, if we can yes. nail it, that will be a really uh, valuable tool. Also, e-gaming e now is such a big, it's such a like... <laughs> yeah, e-sports. Totally credible career path, now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, personally, I wouldn't want to get into competitive... Sorry, yeah. what did you say? What was that? That's a risky one, because like, like, it is literally a career path now, but you still don't want to just recommend, you know, a primary school kid getting into yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would, yeah. and I would. I mean, for a different reason that you're thinking, I wouldn't recommend a primary school kid getting into competitive League of Legends for the reason that if you do, you know anything about League of Legends? No, I don't. It's, okay, no. let's just say that the people that play it are some of the most toxic people I have ever seen online. It's right. unbelievable that how toxic it is. Um, and, you know, all these people, I'm guessing, are trying to get to the top and then they, you know, you get five strangers trying to play with each other in a video game and my God. <laughs> yeah. What I like in real life as well, though, that's, you, you gotta, you gotta find that balance if you're going down the gaming route, because in a day, like, it's probably you in your bedroom for like six hours a day, like, so it's, it's quite, it's quite risky, I think. Yeah, but, um, but and you know, um, something that I often talk to kids about is having a good attitude with the stuff that they want to do. And I guess um, this is something that can happen with football. And I don't want to, I'm not, obviously, there's, just like with gaming, there's gamers that, you know, are really toxic online, but then there's people, I've lucky enough to met some people who are really nice and awesome people that I now sometimes work with and are good friends of mine. And I feel like it can be the same way in football. Like my brother is a huge football fan. He's got 
um, a group of friends that they go to um, Leicester, they go to local teams like Hadley, they have an exchange with some German football clubs, they've got a really good thing going and they're really good friends. Unfortunately, what we did see, uh, particularly in the Euro England Italy final, was some of the worst that football fans, uh, so-called fans, have to offer. So have you ever had that talk with with kids before about, you know, that you don't have to be this way? You know, if, uh, you know, despite all the good things Marcus Rashford's done, you know, he still received that uh, abuse. You know, have you ever had the talk with kids? You don't have to be like that. Uh, To be honest, not really. I I just distance myself so much from football. I guess it's it's, it's only thing I say like I've never uh I actually the first thing I say in a workshop I'm like hands up who can guess what sport we're doing and they're like football and I'm like nope <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> it's just I'm like it's a very special kind of football and then I show a bit but like yeah I, I just try and distance myself from anything football related like uh mm. purely because it is a different sport but also that sort of thing like I, yeah. I think I think on in a broad sense, like a, a, even if you want to become a footballer, like you have a not point not not one percent chance of making it. So like that as a starting point, it's I just find it quite a risky thing to go down. But then like like you said, like the hooligan side to it, like the culture, football games, you can sort of get drawn into like there's sometimes like more to life than just like living for a Saturday football match and like yeah and she's swearing up their the other people in the crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I follow Man United and stuff, but like I'm not like I, I I don't put all my energy into into that side too. Yeah. Cool. So um going going back to the uh, teaching. So you you you've obviously been to loads of schools uh, all around the country and things. So um, can you tell me some of your biggest success stories teaching through self-football to kids? So I'm thinking about like where you've had a hugely positive impact on a particular child and or, or they sort of had fed back to you that they've had a really big impact. Yeah, like, um, so like I've been to now over 350 skills. <laughs> I've I've got like a five star review from everyone and like some some of the like some of the testimonials of like they sort of take me back a bit because I like I'm sort of used to you know when you do it day in day out you, yeah. you just do your job almost sort of thing but you don't you're not I'm not really aware sometimes of like the impact it has on a few skills especially like deprived skills mm-hmm. um, and it makes you think like yeah you've really like inspired. Because I always think if I can just inspire one person, then that's great. That's my job done. But like sometimes it'd be like, yeah, you've inspired the whole school. So that's a really good feeling. But yeah, it's definitely like those deprived schools, uh, like the special needs schools as well. I've really enjoyed. Like I, I remember I did a, a youth offenders, if you like a youth prison oh, as wow. well. Uh, I, had, I had two kids, well, two like young, like I think they're 13, 14 both in for like attempted murder and it was me and there and then like two policemen and two teachers and I had like an abortion workshop with him and like at the end one of the kids was like this is one of the coolest things I've ever done like and like 
like outside the workshop, I was just chatting to him and he was like, I was just like, look, wasn't being, I was sort of being quite vague because I, I get where he was coming from about like wanting to go down like a better path and stuff. And I just talked to him about my, how I got into freestyle and how I like freestyle was almost a distraction from me going down any other route, really. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I like I I was just think when I was in primary school, I would have absolutely loved someone to come in to do freestyle. So like I always just try and put myself in the kids' shoes. Um, yeah, you get a few kids just be like, yeah, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I want to do this now, blah blah. blah and like that's like priceless. Like so. Yeah. Oh wow. Um yeah, that wow, that youth that youth offender story. That's that's wow. That's a great. I, I love that. And I always because you know, often teach good, good, really good teachers, and especially as you say, with deprived schools, they'll always look for ways in which they can inspire the kids, especially if those kids have rough home lives, sadly um and uh so you know it's always uh, always great when things like that um uh, work super well the thing is that that's the good thing about freestyle football like it's so niche <clears throat> it's so like hardly anyone actually does it yeah so, like like I, I i i think i'm an okay teacher in terms of like how i teach but like ultimately it's it's the skills that is breaking down the barrier between me and that, that kid who you know is in for attempted murder like like all that's just like out the window and he's just like he can he feels like he can communicate with me purely because he's seen tricks before that he didn't think was possible like so it's mad how that can that can be a a way to communicate um you mentioned sen schools as well what um uh, what kind of sen schools have you uh done workshops in so i've done lots of uh, autistic skills uh-huh. on different like yeah different um uh, levels on the spectrum but like yeah uh yeah like i mean even if even if the kids aren't able to physically take part the good thing is there's that whole like showcase inside to it so i can just put on a 15 minute performance and and talk on like they don't even have to interact like they might mm. Like they might have a smile and stuff from the teacher will be like they never they're never like that <laughs> you know what i mean so like you don't have it doesn't have to be that physical which is good um but yeah like in terms of like fulfillment and stuff it's definitely those skills that uh you, you get the biggest buzz out of um but yeah that's the thing i, I mean i can go into secondary skills i can teach adults i've done like go to offices and i can teach reception you can, I can spin a football on a on a, a, a four-year-old's finger and make their day like or you can have yeah. like an, a, a longer session with like the year fives and year sixes and really like get into like you know a good question and answer and get into the more difficult tricks so like I can like tailor it to every every like yeah every angle every year group every ability and stuff so yeah do, do some of the teachers, because I've, I've had this a little bit myself, like when I brought my trombone in, and especially with the nurseries, and, um, you know, people don't believe me when I say I can get two-year-olds to get a note out of a trombone. Have you found that with, like, spinning a football on their finger? 
two-year-old that is quite long though <laughs> uh, yeah like so the see with the there's a trick called the finger spin so I'll, i can i spin it on my finger and then i i basically hold down the kid's finger to create yeah. a press spin the ball but it's actually easier the younger the kid because the younger they are the thinner their fingers and the thinner the finger they so reception class for me is actually the best to spin the ball on their finger but like yeah like you said like like the teachers are like no way will you be able to do that like they're almost like are you sure you can teach the your the reception but they're like <laughs> that's the easiest to do those tricks two years old though that, that is quite young i don't think <laughs> the ball would even fit no <laughs> but i mean you know it's um that's i guess i guess it's like a uh um I mean, at first, at first, I wasn't sure if I could um, get them. I knew I could do it with reception, uh, with getting the notes out of the trombone. I wasn't sure if I could do it with two years, but actually most of them, if I teach them the right technique, they can do it, which is really good. Because essentially, blowing a raspberry into a mouthpiece, um, and most are quite good at that. Um, right, so you mentioned, um, obviously, spinning on the finger is one of the tricks that you teach reception. Um, yeah. Now what other tricks um might you teach like an older class um so you said you five and six so after spinning after spinning the ball on their finger what might you get into after that what kind of tricks yeah so the finger spin i actually do last because it's oh, okay. I, I actually get the whole class in a line spin the ball on their fingers and it gives an opportunity for the teacher to mm -hmm. sort of take a pick yeah uh, um well it, it sort of depends on the length of the workshop so like typically there'd be like 30 to 45 minutes long the workshop so if it's if, if it's not a length of time i'll do like start with an easy trick called like the rocket launcher you basically have the ball between your feet you jump up release it and catch it and then the, the most important trick is balancing the ball on their neck mm. so like i also get i also make sure they're in pairs so it's like uh, the team uh, teamwork aspect of it so like i'll get them balancing the ball on each other's neck maybe try like a press up then do like a neck flick so flick the ball in the air with their neck um then there's my favorite trick which is called the blind heel so i've got the guinness world record for it so i tell them about nice. the world record and they get all excited and then uh they try the blind heel and then they around the world which you might have heard of yeah so that's that's usually the amount you fit in, um, but sort of covers all different aspects to like upper body, lower body, and then finish with the finger spin and then try and get as many questions in as I can at the end. Nice. But, but so, if it's like a lot, well, yeah, some like some schools have me in for the full day, mm -hmm. just, just teaching like year six. So that's five hours of teaching. So. So I can I can teach up to like 40, 50 tricks if I, if I want to, like, but there's those like six tricks that are the main, main okay. ones. And what is what is sort of in your opinion the hardest or most technical trick that you personally can do? Uh probably the around the world is really difficult. Um, but actually, like I don't, you know, keep you up, it's just juggling yeah. the football. Yeah. I don't I don't actually teach that purely because it's the, it's the most technical. Like you're not going to learn how to juggle a ball in three minutes. You, you can learn how to do a blind heel, blind heel or neck stall in three minutes. You can't learn to juggle. But a okay. lot of people 
Bitbub. Probably KPLBs. Um, but uh, yeah, KPLBs around the world is probably the most technical. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess you know that that's probably going to surprise a lot of people. You know, saying that you know that one of the first things they might think of is you know key oh KPLBs as part of freestyle football. That that is actually one of the trickiest things. That's probably going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah. Like it took me like. <clears throat> so I, I actually I play a game with each workshop I do. I'm like, uh, because sometimes if we have time, I'll I'll teach them how to juggle a ball sitting down, not standing up. Just uh -huh. to, and uh, but I'll be like, if anyone if anyone can guess what my keep you up record is, I'll give you this 140 pound football. So my, I use like this Champions League ball. <laughs> They're all like, oh my goodness, um, and they'll be like 35, like 40. 70 and they might get up to like 250 and i'll be like no it's 15,400. so if you imagine they're all like year three and they're like just staring at me like <laughs> that's what it gets in their head like it's very you need to be patient you need to like you're not going to learn it straight away sort of thing yeah but, uh, keep that's the hardest hardest okay one. Brilliant. Um, all right. Um, last thing before we finish the interview, um, you are you can now do some self-promotion, Jamie. So if people would like to book you for workshops, where can they find you online and how? So, so the company is called Freestyle Football Workshops and the, the website is www.freestylefootballworkshops.com. So you can put that into Google. Um, and then, yeah, my email's there. It's inquiries at freestylefootballworkshops.com. Bit of a mouthful. Uh, but yeah, all the details there. Um, I've got a Twitter as well, uh, Instagram. And yeah, if you want to find out more about me as well, that's uh, my name's Jamie Knight. So will be on YouTube and Instagram. But yeah, that's all the details. Brilliant. Jamie, thank you very much for being on my show. It's been absolutely great talking to you and finding out more about what you do. All right, uh, and um, I will see you later. Thanks, see you in Cool, so there you have it, everybody. That was, uh, that was the interview I did with Jamie. He's a great guy, and um, I <clears throat> hopefully I'm finally, because I moved schools a lot, and so, I didn't get the chance to book him for my previous schools. Hopefully, I'll be able, we'll be able to. Uh, I'd really love to book him for my kids at school, and hopefully, I will. Um, okay, going to play the news, um, ads, and tech briefing, and then I'll have a go at these Encanto songs. <laughs> This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. 
Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot UK. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Following reports earlier this week of the UCAS announcement that 2020 to 2021 saw a surge in applicants to university from students from disadvantaged backgrounds, one of Greater Manchester's universities revealed data showing that nearly 99% of its students last year fell into one or more of the five core underrepresented groups. In a report in the Manchester Evening News, the University of Bolton highlights figures showing that last year, 28% of applicants were from disadvantaged areas up from 17% in 2013. University bosses say that these figures show that the university is helping students climb the social and economic ladder. The university's Vice-Chancellor, Professor George E. Holmes, said, The University of Bolton is proud to have one of the most diverse and inclusive student populations in the UK. Widening participation projects take place across the UK and are designed to improve access, success and progression for underrepresented groups in higher education. The Birmingham Live News website reports on Birmingham City Council's leader's plea to leave Trojan Horse in the past. It follows calls by the Muslim Council of Britain, as well as teachers and governors, for a public inquiry into events that unfolded in Birmingham schools in 2014, after concerns were expressed that the events caused lasting and negative impact on local Muslims and perceptions of their faith. There are also calls for a public apology to those caught up in the affair. Trojan Horse was the name given to an alleged plot by hardline Islamists to take over some Birmingham schools. The alleged plot was revealed by the Birmingham Mail after an anonymous letter claimed dirty tricks were being used to oust non-Muslim staff from city schools. Four separate inquiries were launched at the time, including probes by Birmingham City Council, the Department for Education and Ofsted. No evidence of extremism or of a plot were found. Birmingham City Council's Deputy Leader, Councillor Bridget Jones, in charge of city schools in 2014, says the city has long since moved on, whilst others claim the issue is unresolved and that investigations at the time were rooted in Islamophobia. The issue has been raised again following a podcast by the New York Times probing the origins of the letter which kick-started the investigations. In the Channel Island of Guernsey, plans for a new sixth form centre and the closing of one of the island's state high schools have been delayed by a year. The new secondary model had been due to start by September 2024, 
but the Committee for Education, Sport and Culture said the decision to delay was made after talking to the construction industry. Education President Andrea Dudley-Owen said in a BBC News report, it's more important that we get it right rather than rushing to meet an arbitrary deadline. It is another delay for parents, pupils and staff on what has been a decade-long process of transforming secondary education on the island, a process that has seen promises made by committees which have then not come to fruition. In a research paper published on the FIS.org website, it suggested that pre-primary education played a protective role against COVID learning losses in sub-Saharan Africa. In a study of more than 2,600 children in Ethiopia, researchers found that among pupils who entered primary education immediately after schools reopened, learning losses were far less severe if they'd been in pre-primary education prior to the pandemic. The learning deficit among children without pre-primary experience was four times greater. However, the study also shows that pre-primary education was also the most neglected part of the Ethiopian government's COVID education response. Full details of the study can be found on the FISORG website. The study was commissioned through the World Bank's Early Learning Partnership and undertaken by the University of Cambridge, Addis Ababa University and the Ethiopian Policy Studies Institute. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safe Internet Week with the official day being on Tuesday the 8th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre is questioning whether gaming online is all fun and games. They ask young people to explore respect and relationships in online gaming. A lot of schools may be having drop down days and you may be expected to deliver an online safety lesson. This is great, but are you confident in your knowledge? There's nothing worse than having to teach a lesson out of your comfort zone, especially when you're discussing a topic where the learners may know more than the teacher. Saferinternet.org.uk, the brains behind Safer Internet Day, have come to the rescue with a series of films under the heading of virtual assemblies on their website. Starting with a story about in-app purchases getting out of hand for three to seven year olds, and then for seven to 11 and 11 to 18s, having a discussion on online behavior and respect. This resource is informative and will allow those of us that are less confident to play the film and facilitate a discussion. As always, if you're going to use an online resource, make sure you've watched it first to make sure it's appropriate for your pupils. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, um, right, so I'm going to have a go now at um, just in preparation for um, coming back after half time, see <clears throat> how well I can pull off surface pressure and we don't talk about Bruno, um, or uh, uh, at least a bit of them, because um, um, we shall, s so we'll see how it goes. Um, so first up, we're going to have a go at surface pressure. Then gonna have a little go at some of we don't talk about Bruno. Okay, so E minor is the uh... I'm the strong one, I'm not nervous, I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. I move mountains, I move churches, and I blow because I know what my worth is. I don't ask how what the work is. 
Diamonds from Gardner are an indestructible surface. Diamonds are platinum, I find them, I flatten them, I take while I hand it. I break what's demanded, but under the surface, I feel preserved as a typhoon wander in a three wing circus. Under the surface, what's Becky Lee's ever like, yo? I don't want to find surface. Under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can be of service. A floor, a crack, a straw, and a stack. The break camel's back. I'm going to stop there for now. Um, we shall. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> as um, I, I think, to be honest, because um, I'm in the middle of the forest and when I do these songs, I'm not going to be able to look at the words. So I'll have to have to do the best I can at remembering them, even though it's a Lin-Manuel Miranda song and the like, lyrics are lightning fast. All right. Last thing before I end my show today, going to have a go at We Don't Talk About Bruno. Here goes. Oh, at least some of it anyway. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno, but it was my wedding day. We were getting ready and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And Bruno walks in with a mischievous grin. Thunder, you're telling a story, or am I? I'm sorry, you need to go. Bruno says it looks like rain. In doing so, he floods my brain. Married in a hurricane. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. Make music. And stumbling, I can always hear him stumbling, bumbling. I still see him with the sound of falling. Sash, it's a heavy lift with a gift so humbling. Always getting out of around the family, bumbling, grappling with problems he couldn't understand. Do you understand? That's um, uh, that, that's as far as I'm going to go today. Um, but hopefully, I think I've I think I've got enough of it to at least make a start. Ah, but I'm going to have to carry on learning it if I want to get it 100% there. Right, I'm going to end the show there as I have a train to catch. 
Um, so thank you very much for listening. If you've been listening live and if you downloaded the episode and listened after it's gone out, thank you very much also. Um, and I hope to see you next time. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.